0: Hello and welcome to Porpisode four, three, four, four math. <laughs> um, here with Ellie as always and Peaches, and we have special guest Anna Meyer here um, today. So we're gonna talk about humpbacks and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, we noticed that you guys really liked our last Porpisode um, that had the most views in the shortest amount of time out of all of the episodes. Amazing. So we weren't sure if, like, the the humor was a little bit too much. I kind of honestly expected the opposite reaction, that people would be like, okay, what? No. Um, But, no, it it had a good reaction. And Ellie made some good noises
1: um, for us. She snuck up on me. I was not (laughs) anticipating to be recorded. I'm I'm not doing it So it
0: reminds me
1: of a story. Oh, no. (laughs) So
0: (laughs) so, (laughs) there... um, we worked at this marina because we were all naturalists, right? And Uh-oh. <laughs> n- no. No, continue. <laughs> and okay, so um for the purposes of this story, we're just going to call this guy Steve. God damn it. I'm so, like, Captain Steve apparently, with uh, this is he didn't work with us, but he just worked at our marina. Oh but God. apparently, he went up to a kid and like made that noise at him, and then just walked away. But this captain was was known for some really good other things. I watched him run into a dock a couple of times and. Um, it was good. But also, I also don't know if that story is true because that came from the same deckhand that fell into the harbor. So. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. You can't, you can't do this. Do you think I can't do this? Anymore.
1: Feel, On feel the record, person.
2: I believe every part of that story.
1: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> every, every single one. Yeah, all of we it. We corroborated with that deckhands captain. He totally, totally cleared him. <laughs> <this> actually happened. <laughs> then he fell off. Then he fell gonna die. Anyways. So, so how do you feel for a seal? I feel so good for a
0: seal. For a seal. That's what we ask at the beginning. I don't know if you... Have you listened to the podcast yet? Did we, we talked about this and then I forgot. Uh, I've... I haven't gotten to the last poor episode,
2: which okay. is the one I probably should have listened to.
0: It's... It's fine. <laughs> it's Gucci. Um, yeah, but that's what we ask. We ask at the beginning of them, which basically is like, how are you? Um... So,
2: I've definitely heard you ask it to Peaches before.
0: Yeah. Yes. Because that's how that started. We, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So how do you feel for a seal? <laughs> That was the dryer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you feel good for a seal? I feel for good seal? for a seal. For
0: a seal, yes.
2: What's the context of the seal? Like, where is the seal? Is the okay. seal, like, on the rocks? Um, or is the, the seal
0: was on the rocks, in the water, multiple seals. It was when I was in the kayak with peaches. Okay. And I was asking her, how do you feel for a seal? And okay. for the record, she was, like, kind of confused. I don't think she noticed them, because they weren't moving a whole lot, because that's what they do. They're called rock sausages, or I like to call them sea sausages, personally. Sea sausages? Sea sausages. Personal preference, yeah. Um, and. Because they were just chilling on the rocks, um, and she didn't know what to think about them. So, (laughs) yeah, we're talking about harbor seals. Those guys live all up and down the West Coast, right? All up and down. Yes. There's a ton of them. I think we've talked about the diet of the big killer whales and whatnot. Um, But... They, yeah, I they're they, they're pretty lazy. They're they're pretty cute. You and Ellie, literally, like she is a harbor
1: seal. So if you want to, like, I, I mean, my my Instagram handle is Salish Sea Selkie. So I don't know what that means. A Selkie Selkie is the Irish or Celtic uh, mythological creature of a woman who can transform into a seal. Wow. And basically, she That's comes you. ashore and she takes off her seal skin and becomes a woman. And That's how the story goes. Is if somebody takes her seal skin,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like she has to she has to stay with them and you know it, generally in the stories it's kind of yeah. like a little mermaid thing where she, she the, a fisherman comes
2: along and takes the seal skin and she marries him and stays with him yeah. and then and then actually yeah, he's a jerk or something, and she ends up finding... It's always in the hidden in the fireplace. He hides the seal skin in a brick in the fireplace, and then one day she cleans the fireplace, finds her seal skin, and runs she off to never be sees. seen again. Exactly. So that's you. That's me.
1: That's
2: to you um well there are some different versions and also it's not always women there are some cultures that have seal men and they're supposed to be incredibly Mm -hmm. attractive um yeah and so it's all over like the north end of the british isles mostly okay um and there's a one in like the orkney isles where it's not it's kind of about the uh like he finds her her skin and she takes it back and then she goes back to the sea and then they uh the fisherman goes out because he's of course like super angry that his wife left him and like he ends up killing a seal that was really important to her. I can't remember if it's like her that kid so or her petty. seal husband. That's so um, But she gets really hacked about it. And so now she regularly emerges from the sea to drown fishermen in revenge.
0: Okay. Because That's that really also cool, p- there there really cool statue of No, not there, there you go. What do you mean? Don't condone that behavior. That's so petty. <laughs> get frogged. <laughs> That's so petty. What do, you mean? He, what do you mean? He goes out and kills her Okay, but, then she, then, but she doesn't need to go kill other fishermen that didn't do that. She doesn't need to kill anybody. Don't condone that behavior. Oh my goodness, you're very heated about this. <laughs> <Listen>. <laughs>
2: Obviously, we all need to rise about the murder here. That's exactly, that's right, Don't all right. kill
0: people. Why? Why do I have to say that? Why is this something Jeez. that I thought that went without saying, Ellie? Cheese, <laughs>
1: Louise. Anyways. Beh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> more weird noises. Anyways, harbor seals are super cool. Harbor seals. They make like, I think it's like 40% of Big's Killer Whale's diets. Yeah, I've heard something like that as well. Yeah. 40 to
2: 50, I think. Yeah, I think it also is kind of variable depending on you know what else is out there yeah. throughout the year. Because there's definitely sometimes when there's less porpoises and more seals. Right. And I would imagine they make up a larger portion.
1: Also, than. it depends on the pod because the 65As, for, for example, oh. almost expressly prefer porpoises. That I've seen, anyways. Yeah, I don't that's think I've that's anecdotal. Seen. That is anecdotal. Let's establish that. That that is anecdotal. Cool. I have never, I have never seen them prey on harbor seals before, and I don't think Andrew's ever seen. And Andrew, Captain Andrew, it's his favorite pod. Uh, I don't think he's ever seen them prey on harbor seals before. True.
2: I mean, right. that could be true. With it. I mean, like, cause I mean, there's some theories that the only reason that you know the residents are so turned on Chinook salmon is because it was Granny's favorite thing. Don't make fun of me. I love her. <laughs> it. No, it's perfect. I love it. So the reason that the the resident orchid, the Southern residents are so into Chinook salmon exclusively is because Granny led them for like 50 mm-hmm. years or something. Like she was she until five, so she had a yeah. lot of time to lead those guys. Mm-hmm. And she really liked a certain thing. And so a lot of the things that are established in the Southern residents mm-hmm. may have just been because they followed Granny for the better part of most of their lives. And she was making decisions because like... Yeah like this and they're like well granny did it it's canon like, she is like the og whale know, mm-hmm. yep. mm-hmm.
0: she's like oh, she's just cool we're we should her do and an episode we talk ruffles. about her side- what
2: her and her side piece ruffles side piece, like, side piece two, Ooh.
1: one ruffles yeah
2: he was a handsome boy. Oh, he for was sure. a handsome boy. Yeah, he's fathered like I think like over eighty to ninety percent of the like southern residents oh. because.
0: And that's lady, why they're inbred. Lovely. Yeah,
2: you know, a lady orcas love them a big, roughly fin. Yeah, that's why all the males have kind of weird things going on on their well, fins that's, now.
1: That's kind of like the hypothesis, like driving force for sexual dimorphism. And sexual dimorphism, for those of you who don't know, is when boys and girls look different. And girls have shorter
2: fins that are more curved, and boys have these huge six feet tall fins and... The concept behind it is that the bigger fin is actually not that useful to your survival and can be detrimental because you lose body heat from it. True. So it's harder to survive. But it's classically seen in peacocks because peacocks have those big flashy tails that are really dumb. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you see... That's so rude. (laughs) (laughs) Because you see, having that big tail means you're more likely to get eaten. Yeah. Yeah. And so a male who can survive with a big stupid tail, the bigger the (laughs) stupider, the better... Um, is obviously the best at surviving. And so a male with like a six or seven foot roughly fin who should be dead but isn't is obviously just a real, real healthy dude. You want yourself a, a male with a big, big old, old fin. beefy man. Yeah, you want a, you want your, yeah. your boy to have a, a big old fin. Size matters in the Orco kingdom. <laughs> There it is. For sure. She just spelled it out. There we go.
0: <laughs> oh. Well, also like human males, the larger the males typically have shorter lifespans as well and
2: Yeah, it's a lot more stress on the cardiovascular system yeah. and other organs, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wild. But maybe that is the the
0: the survival technique is finding a man that lives shorter so that
1: we can live longer so they don't stress us out hashtag
2: just long enough for you to get your kids and then send them on their way we and we
0: we definitely like men we also just like jokes so never take anything I mean, personally i just want to establish this like <laughs> now because
1: like you know uh, yeah we like certain men <laughs> there <is. laughs> We like ruffles, okay? We love ruffles. We like ruffles. Rest in peace.
0: Handsome. um what were you, We were talking about humpbacks. Humpbacks. Humpers. Today. Yeah. Um, yeah, so basically, there were humpbacks that migrated through this area and then they stopped and then they have come back because Ellie wanted to talk about. Sea star wasting disease, and I was like, "No, we're supposed to be like we should have some positive things because, literally, our entire podcast is talking about Same animals thing. dying." Yes, and then, um, yeah, so then we we came to this because yeah, yeah, so, which hopefully we can get we can get the resis to make a comeback.
1: Yeah. Well, and it's it's a good it's a good success story, and it's kind of you know kind of mirroring the decline of the southern residents. Humpbacks are doing really, really well, and they're actually increasing exponentially in their population here, which I think is really cool. And it speaks a lot to the Marine Mammal Protection Act. Uh, and it speaks a lot. Does to it? it? It does. Oh, it does, yes, because. <laughs> it does? Yes, that was put into place. When was that put into place? What was it, 1974 or something like that? Yeah, I believe it was like 74, maybe 76. Yeah, somewhere in the mid-70s is when we we decided that all marine mammals just needed blanket protection. protection. So
0: where does that fall into... um like, what is the timeline of the humpbacks? I don't know that
2: much so about the humpbacks. So, you were reading up on Yeah, this. so, basically, um, pre-1900s, this was a very, um, this was a, a big part of migration route, but it was also a stopover point for migrating humpbacks that mm-hmm. were coming north, because if you don't have to swim to Alaska, why swim to Alaska? Right. Um, and then in about 1905, whaling up here became a very, very big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, 1905 generally became, was a, a big year for whaling in general. But mm-hmm. they found out up here that there was a, a, sustain, a fairly large population of humpbacks, fin whales, like the occasional fin whales. They mm-hmm. do use this area sometimes. Um, gray whales. And those were all in fairly valuable whaling Specimens mm-hmm. because they were large enough to make the effort of catching them worthwhile, um, and then supposedly the humpbacks were whaled out by 1908. So it took about three years for them to work through all of the individuals here, and so Jeez they were locally boys. extinct by 1908, supposedly. Um, and then um, whaling, you know, became less and less popular as time went on. Like the whale meat wasn't really the best thing to eat. Um, right. With the advent of petroleum products, we really yeah. didn't need whale oil to light lamps. Which yeah. I mean. You didn't really want to use it in the first place because when you light whale oil it kind of smells fishy and it burns with like a fog so your Mm -hmm. house had this greasy fishy smelling kind of scrim through it if you Mm -hmm. used whale oil but it was just how you lit lamps Mm -hmm. um and then corsets went out of style in 1920s so they weren't using whalebone. and so a lot of the things that made the whaling industry profitable um started disappearing around 1920s and going forward um But the humpbacks here still didn't come back. They have, we theorize, a very long lifespan and a very long memory. Mm -hmm. We're not sure how long humpbacks live, so we're going to put a pin in that whole thing. But, you know, we would think that a lot of the humpbacks remembered being whaled out here and decided not to come back. Um, But then in the late 1900s, we had our first humpback return, Mm -hmm. and her name is Big Mama. Big Mama. Um, she was probably the first one who was passing through, we guess. And then she Mm -hmm. was like, oh my God, look at all this herring. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then she came back kind of sporadically through Mm -hmm. the 1900s, but started coming back every year in like the 2000 aughts. Like I think starting around like 2010 Mm -hmm. was when she started coming back every year Yeah, and she started bringing babies with her. So every time she was out here, she was either nursing a a baby, a little pickle, or um, was pregnant. A
1: little pickle, I love that. Yeah, That's super
2: cute. uh, She was um, a major player in that comeback because everyone's like, oh my god, there's humpbacks returning. Yeah. Um, But then it was still largely her for a while. Um, But I remember I saw a humpback in 2015... Um, And I believe it was Big Mama. Mm -hmm. Um, We were over, I think, off of Saturna. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Um, And my captain was absolutely losing his mind. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't figure out why, because they don't have the same sort of initial visual impact as an orca, you know? the orca you see the big six-foot fin, and you're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God. Yeah. With the humpback, you're just like, oh, is that a – what's going on over there? And then you get closer, and then you realize it's this 50-foot-long animal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the captain was just losing his mind. And I think we saw her, like, a few more times that year – but not much more than that, but then right. in 2016 we saw a few more, and in 2017 we saw quite a few more. And then 2018 they were probably about half of our our you know whale watches, yeah and same this year we we saw them a lot. yeah, and we're seeing them in groupings more and more because we used to see just one, but then you know this mm-hmm. year we've been seeing groups of two and three and five.
1: Wow. you know
2: so they're um, I don't think they have a pod structure, but they do seem to have a, a moving, constantly changing sort of temporary structure that helps them feed together and Um, yeah
0: because they do the bubble net feeding up in juno um which humpbacks are like it's really interesting to look at humpbacks um because i think like there's a lot that we can't conclude a whole lot but you know the stories of them make it interesting for our understanding of animal memory and communication because you know what you're talking about with you know they stopped coming here is it that memory you know that told them that and then you know or that is it their memories that kept them from coming back? And then also... Because we know they communicate using songs and sounds. But, you know, were they able to share that with other members and then that's why they all didn't come back? Or... You know, and when they started coming back, like, is that what we can conclude from this? Is that, like, it's a memory thing or that it's communication? But it shows really good adaptability. Um, But in The Breath of a Whale, um, they were talking about this idea of the collective unconscious and um, the spread of feeding techniques through humpback communities. But essentially what bubble net feeding is is, like... What, there's a group of humpback whales, and they go in a circle, like and blow bubbles around herring, and then they all come up and like, at this synchronize. They synchronize their song. They'll all come up, flash their pectoral fins towards the fish because they have white on the underside that stuns them, and then they'll come up, and everybody like eats the fish all at once. And they started to see, um, this this occurred first in Juneau and then it started to spread throughout. So it's just really interesting to see
2: the spread of culture within another species. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting too, because the more we study bubble net feeding, mm-hmm. um, the more we're learning about whale communication. Because for a while we thought humpbacks didn't really make noise outside of their breeding season. Mm-hmm. We thought it was only males who sang. And the humpback male singing is its own um, really complex situation because um, like, it's one song mm-hmm. that gets changed throughout. Uh-huh. And so they think there's a whole lot of interesting memory um, but I haven't researched that one. enough to go too far into it. But the, oh. that would be worth its own episode, honestly. Because yeah, the, we should definitely look at that. The male singing mm-hmm. um, is incredibly interesting in just the historical perspectives and the memory and stuff. Um, but we kind of thought that that was really mostly the only sound we got from these guys. But um, it, there's new sounds that we're finding in relation to bubble net feeding because there's usually one one humpback leading it. Yeah. And so that one humpback will be the one um, producing the bubbles that makes the circle of bubbles and the rest right. are circling. And that's the one that makes, a, there's actually a feeding call uh-huh. and they make that call. And that is the noise that indicates to all the other whales that it's go time and we're all going to just go for the ball of hair at the same time and so that again you know we didn't we don't really realize how much humpbacks communicate it's still kind of understudied yeah and so that bubble feeding aside from spreading down the coast and becoming Mm -hmm. more and more interesting is potentially also going to open our eyes to more communication between whales
0: yeah absolutely and that ties back to i went off on like a little thing but the collective unconscious is what she was talking about which is like a theory that we can't we don't necessarily have the tools to study right now but just this idea that there is unconscious information that we spread to one another. Like, you don't directly... It's not like I'm directly telling Ellie, hey, this is how we're going to catch our herring, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But somehow they're able to spread that throughout their species or just, like, this idea of inherent knowing but we don't know if that's a thing but that was one of the things that she had talked about she theorized that that could be an explanation for the spread of bubble net feeding because there were apparently populations of humpbacks that wouldn't have seen each other but they're seeing now that they're doing this bubble net Mm -hmm. feeding but also I think a lot of it too is like cetaceans are really really hard to study because they're underwater and they travel large distances and you know Most research is just at surface level, Mm -hmm. and so we, like, you know, we don't know if if these populations didn't necessarily meet up with one another, like, and each individual is different as well, so...
1: I'm interested to see because uh, they're starting to develop underwater drones. I'm interested to see yep. what the technol- what that technology kind of opens up. Right. Um, I volunteered with Harbor Wild Watch for a while down in Gig Harbor mm-hmm. and the education director, she had her she got one. Yeah. And she was like tooling around with it and having a good time. Yeah.
2: So I'm really interested to see what we can do with, with, that, technology. with that technology. And mm-hmm. I think recently the Seattle Times was talking about how there was video footage now yeah. of the northern residents and how yeah. Um, incredibly physical they are with each other which we didn't really realize that they just enjoy touching each other Mm -hmm. like they were just like just like the baby was just rubbing on its mom Mm -hmm. because of the physical contact and we didn't realize they were like that lovey with each other you know because again you know they're this I mean while we are very aware that they are a compassionate and intelligent species from you know SeaWorld um, that's not a fair view of the entire Mm -hmm. species and so this was a really cool thing to see that like orchid babies are just like human babies they just want to like grab on to their mom and, like, hang on to them and, like, rub their face on them, you know, (laughs) so... Yeah. For sure.
0: It's definitely... Yeah, there's a lot of similarities, and I think they have... I don't know, they're so adaptable, and I think part of the reason that they're able to survive so well is because they operate in really cohesive groups, and they're one of the few animals that do cooperative feeding, like, a lot of times, you know, like hyenas, for example... They will hunt together, but they are aggressive whenever it comes to sharing the food. And in orcas, we see that they share their food. They make sure that everybody gets something um, when they hunt. And that's just like one example of how they're more cooperative. But I think that's, you know, that definitely aids in their survival, I would say. Because, you know, obviously, like, we're better in groups. I think we need to, like, we need to learn from them because we, I feel like humans constantly pit one another against each other, we're still primates. We're Absolutely. still disgusting. they um, <laughs> <laughs> gross.
1: Literally. Um, um, yeah. I, I mean, one of, and it's kind of sad, but one of the reasons they theorize, they hypo- they hypothesized that Princess Angeline died was because yeah. when Taliqua was pushing her under baby for those 17 days, yeah. Princess Angeline was more focused on feeding her daughter than she was on actually taking care of herself. Right. Which shows how selfless they are. Yeah, Yeah. the same
2: thing happened with Granny where um, it was after Polaris died and um, her her daughter, I believe, was Star. Mm -hmm. um, You remember back in, like, 2016, Polaris, I think, was the first one who passed away that really sparked off this Southern resident decline. It was her Mm -hmm. and, I think, her new baby. Yeah. And she was putting so much effort into feeding her baby that she just physically couldn't keep up. She was in pretty bad shape. Um, But she had a nine-year-old daughter And one of the last uh, overhead photos of Granny is Granny giving a salmon to that nine-year-old daughter because obviously she wasn't fishing well enough on her own. And soon after that, we lost Granny. And so there was some speculation that granny was working so hard to make sure that all the um, individuals, especially younger individuals who had lost, yeah. you know, a, a close family member and who might not have been able to take care of themselves. Because a nine-year-old whale, while they know how to catch a salmon, they are physically smaller than an adult whale yeah. and they may not be as successful. Right. And so there's this really cool photo of granny and a salmon and the littler whale and she's handing it over so that the little whale gets That's a meal. so cute. That's
1: but so cute. it
2: does mean that, yeah, if one individual suffers or is in bad shape, you know, that is going to happen. a a pretty high scale you know wave across the entire pod because they are all going to take time out to feed them you know when to was pushing her dead baby some of them were helping her push it because they realized she wasn't going to leave it behind
0: right and i think uh, as you were talking i was thinking of a couple other examples but um i was i'm reading endangered orca by monica shields and she talks about an instance where there was a scientist out on friday harbor this was in uh, the 50s or 60s, and some guy literally just went out and shot a whale off of Friday Harbor. And the scientist had witnessed, um, and I forget his name, but I can look it up and come back later with that, but he had witnessed that the whale that was shot, all the other whales rushed over to it and were were helping support it um, so that it could breathe. Um, ultimately, that whale ended up dying, um, so that's sad. and that, But it just goes to show that they... They work together and, like, you know, they function as a unit. It's not, like you know, one individual and they're just trying to survive on their own. Like, it's about the community. But there's also that one whale with scoliosis too. Tumbo, yes. Yeah.
2: I believe he's in the T2s, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. But it's him, his mom, his older brother and maybe a younger brother. Mm -hmm. And he's like 12 years old now, I believe. Um, Which is almost unheard of with an animal with, you know, a a fairly large physical deformity because you can see the curve in his back Mm -hmm. from, like, the boats. You know, if you look over at him, you can see he's got a, a fairly substantial spinal deformity mm-hmm. um and most animals an animal with with spinal you know scoliosis like that mm-hmm. um who you know wouldn't make it this far um, yeah. a lot of times you know there's the whole thing about you know law the law of the fit you know the the so strongest animal survive is. yeah um and sorry i just totally botched the name of that <laughs> <That's okay.
1: laughs>
2: but yeah so you know But these guys actually work together really hard to feed him. His brother is always helping him eat. His mom's helping him eat. And it's cool because with orcas, if they're going through a rough patch of water and stuff, Mm -hmm. and there's a younger individual or a less fit individual or an individual who might not make it, um, the larger males will chaperone them. Through that rough patch of water, they'll swim in front of them and break the current, wow. kind of like an 18-wheeler in front of like a Fuck Volkswagen you. bug, and make sure all the individuals get through there. And so the other members of his pod are almost assuredly helping him get through the ocean and survive as long as he has.
1: Yeah, yeah. and that's why the big boys stay with their mamas, mm-hmm. so they can be good helpers. Mama, mamas' boys. Mm-hmm only there were more of
0: them but the, also i think it's important to note too that there are a lot of other species where if an animal is sick or injured they like even if it is like a group that functions as a society they will often leave and or kill that mm-hmm. that one and you know that's not to say that that orcas don't kill because infanticide occurs in in a lot of a lot of groups and and i think there's one incident where they heard of an orca doing infanticide. But anyways, it just Uh, goes to show like, you know, there's not there are very few other species that will take care of an animal who is um, sick or dying and you know, it makes me wonder if they have the capacity to value a life, which I think they they oh, yeah. do. But how could we study that? I don't know.
2: That would be a remarkably hard one because it's harder to put into numbers. But there is, you know, some evidence um, from a there was an article put out a few years ago, I think it was in 2016, about you know um, humpbacks doing things that would suggest they're capable of empathy. And um, yeah, yeah. even if, because they were rescuing animals from orca attacks. I believe that. And, um, but the fun thing was they noticed that the humpbacks that were more prone to rescue animals from orca attacks had scars from previously being attacked by orcas. See? Oh my God. Which would, which would what? suggest You're that the humpbacks. Are you serious?
0: Mm-hmm. <gasps>
2: yeah. Um, and so that would suggest that the humpbacks that were doing this oh. were doing it more because... I mean, potentially just because it was the the entire, like all of the humpbacks that were doing this had those scars, potentially suggesting that they had been through that experience. They knew that that experience was awful and terrifying. And therefore they were breaking up the orca fights, not because it could be a baby humpback and it was a calorically significant thing to do, but because they were like, that sucks. I know that sucks. I'm going to go whale on some orcas. So, um, and the other thing is just, um, the brain structure of the whales, you know, they have one more hemisphere than us, but they also have much more cranial folding, Mm -hmm. which is usually responsible for communication and interrelations. And so the capacity that they have of understanding and even just, you know, Interacting with each other, maybe potentially beyond what our our little primate brains allow us to literally con- conceive of.
1: Literally, that's what I've been yeah. saying this whole time. There's there's been a lot of incidents within recent years that people are are taking their drones out or taking their cameras out, and mm-hmm. they'll see seals and other other dolphins getting saved from from killer whales, and even even, even like. There was a there was a video of a gal off of I think the coast of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. She was she was studying. I don't remember what she was studying, but she was out in the water and this this humpback. I think she was studying the humpback, and yeah. this humpback just like put its rostrum like right into her and lifted her out of the water. And it kept doing this and mm-hmm. kept doing this. And she turns around at one point and she sees a great white shark.
2: Yes, right so I heard him. about that one, or maybe it was another incident, but it was in, like Hawaii. There was someone who had that happen where like the whale was pushing this person back and back and back yeah. and she was like a diver or something. And she was like, but I want to go over there. And then she saw that there was like a, a, a substantially larger shark. Yeah. A tiger, shark yeah a tiger, a tiger. I think it was. And so, um, it may have been the same story and I just have the wrong place, but I think it may also have been I a mean, second similar incident. Yeah, I you know? would
1: believe that there's more than one incident. of that. See,
2: that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> but it's also interesting because that means that they can conceive of, Similarities across physical differences, which is one literally, thing you haven't quite seen which in orcas we yet. We
0: can't do apparently. <laughs> in I mean, you people are willing to understand their dog or their cat, but when it comes to another animal, they're like, "Oh my god, no, that's so different." Um, oh yeah, I mean, those people's minds across, on the whale watches. Like, literally, that's what I've been thinking this whole time. And to be honest, this is a thought that I didn't want to say out loud because it scares me. But like, if we are so unwilling, like if. We just put so, like, we, we divide people so much, and, like, if we're not even willing to see all people as people, how are we going to get people to care about animals? Like, that is something that's been on my brain
1: recently, and it makes me really sad. There is a definite correlation between people who have those racist tendencies um, and people who do things like animal abuse or people who go out and, yeah. you know, butcher just random animals out of the woods, you know? It's, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's
0: sad, but, like, you know, part of me, is like, you know, I try to remain hopeful and because I, like, you know, if we don't remain hopeful, you lose motivation and then, you know, you don't want to do it, but I'm trying to remain hopeful that we can get people to care about animals because people do care about animals, but there are some people that just, like, I don't know, they just don't, they don't, <laughs> I, but... That's one of those things. I'm like, if we can't get people to care about the people in our country and I think, okay, back to the humpbacks, this is tying back to the humpbacks. So you're talking about how this, this humpback is pushing someone up out of the water and this is, and potentially the ones that have scars. This is an act of empathy that goes to show that they're able to understand this perspective. Like you were saying across physical differences, across species, we should also be able to do the same. Um, but that costs them physical energy. Obviously, we don't. I don't think they have a monetary system. I don't know how we <laughs> that. Um, it it costs them energy, which is like mm-hmm. what they need to live, but not that much. And you know, it really uh, humans helping one another out. It doesn't necessarily cost you anything. No. It doesn't have to. Yet for some reason. We are so willing to pit each other against one another and see differences. And I think that people – I think the root of this, because a a lot of this podcast is we're going to talk – well, we already talked about our goals. Okay, we didn't, but we're going to, but we recorded the (laughs) poor episode first, but we're going to. But one of the goals is to address the root issues within our culture – Um, that lead to environmental destruction and that lead to the deterioration of our society and our cultural fabric. But that's like one of those things is we pit each other against one another and we form this idea of differences. And I think that people feel the need to tear each other down and take away from one another because they think that it takes away from them, whether that be something that is physical or mental. And, you know taking away somebody's light doesn't make your light shine brighter and taking away resources or accepting tax breaks, you know, it gives you more money. And I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with this, but basically there's enough resources and there's enough like positive energy out there that we can, we can share that with everyone. So Mm -hmm. like we need to learn from the humpback that even if it, what does it cost you a little bit of your energy, a little bit of your time, like to build someone up or to share resources or to make sure that another animal survives or is taken care of. Like we should absolutely be prioritizing the physical and mental needs of the individuals in our community that are human, non-human, whatever. Yeah. Anyways, I think, thanks for coming to my Ted talk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Lady Gaga was the one who said, yeah. be kind. Mm-hmm costs you nothing
0: it doesn't and we haven't like it's like yeah no and like you were saying with granny like even towards the end of her life she's out there sacrificing and and giving food to this other whale that may be suffering when she could use it herself for her survival and we just need to get out of this idea that is what's going to destroy us at the end of the day is when we keep with this individualistic idea and we're so hell-bent on keeping up our status and making sure that we survive or whatever. No, there's no need for it. Like look to the orcas to figure out how we're going to save our own species and the species, other species around us. Go ahead.
2: I was going to piggyback off that point. Granny spent her last, you know, days feeding a younger whale so that, that whale would survive mm-hmm. into the future as well, which yeah. was, I think could totally tie in because, you know, um, what's left of us after we die but yeah. our legacy. What's your legacy? You literally. Know? And so if, if by yes. helping Star, Granny helped Star survive and Star, once she becomes of age, helps to repopulate the southern resident orcas, then, you know, that, that energy expenditure on Granny's part, you know, will have lived on literally hundreds to thousands of years mm-hmm. after her, yeah. you know, f- after her first movement. And we could always all think of that as well, because you never know when your action in a day-to-day basis, you know, if you help a kid get to school because their car broke down and they yeah. managed to pass a test that gives yeah. them a, a scholarship or something, you
1: really? know, you could have
2: started an entire like cascade mm-hmm. that maybe that person will be the next, you know, head of, you know, some sort of environmental agency that passes legislation. You, never you don't know. really ever know what that, you know, whatever the calories, the 200 calories the whale puts in, you know, the, the, you know. Mm-hmm. 50 cents of gas that you would put into driving someone somewhere could actually, you know, spark a whole cascade of positive effects.
0: Literally. So just go ahead and take a moment to check yourself. Put things into perspective and figure out what you want your legacy to be because I think so many people get ingrained in this idea of status and money and somehow that they think is more valuable. And, you know, we we set up this system of money – to aid in our survival Mm -hmm. and it's the thing that's destroying us and like you're saying you never know like it costs you nothing like literally take five minutes take however much time help someone else out like build somebody else up like tell someone that you know that you believe in them or whatever inspire others don't tear them down and don't take away resources and don't not help just because you have ego or something absolutely so yeah. I'm gonna
2: break it. I'm having a hard time staying focused because Peach is like steadily climbing the couch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. See, so she yeah, okay. She's cool. the it. wouldn't faces have been too. it would
0: not have been a good episode if Peach didn't interrupt us. <laughs> um, and I listened to the last one and literally I feel like every other minute I was like, oh my god, Peach! And like <laughs> you've just been so big. Like, what are you doing? She's what are you doing?
2: She's been like yeah. peering at us like over like everything on the couch. Yeah. Just like super like sneaky. Yeah. It's been, it's been interesting. Um, this just time in over. case
0: people were wondering too, um, Peach has seen whales. Peach has lived a very full life. Let's just let's just talk about she Peach. Like, me. Listen, she did. She did. Peach <laughs> is four years old, okay? And she's lived in like four states now, I think. She she's traveled, she's traveled to at least two. 20 states. She's she's a well-traveled dog. She graduated from Eckerd College. She has a degree in barking and being a nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> um, you she that. she's <laughs> married. She cuz at Eckerd we would have dog weddings on the reg. <laughs> Listen, uh, I, you, how many times has she been married? She's been married once. Just once? Just once. Oh, yeah. impressed, yeah. yeah, to Wilson. That's the to Wilson. right there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you
1: are so <laughs> About though, earlier, like she's got the attitude of a lady who just, I know she's just trophy wife, I know she's just got everything made. She she, she, she she snaps at you, uh, garçon, garçon,
2: I kept the She's got a real thing for like Chardonnay. Like, you come home at night and like she's got a, like, so an oversized wine glass of Chardonnay in one hand, like a cigarette she in the other, and she's like, Oh, you're home. Literally, yes. we've
1: seen this dog get up on the bed by herself, but she comes up to Eric and she's like.
0: Get me up on the bed. <laughs> I'm so okay, but like, part of the reason so I, so I pick her up too is because apparently Pomeranians, like that's the health issue is their legs. So I want to preserve her legs. You <laughs> want
2: <laughs> It frogged. Peaches is gearing for some nice dog stairs <laughs> nice. but not like the average dog stairs like they need to be like high-end dog stairs. What does
0: that even mean?
2: They make little dog-sized stairs so they can get on oh, your bed for like dash-hounds and you stuff. You were
0: talking about dog like staring and I was like what does that oh, mean? Oh yeah, no, peaches she's, wants a pair of psych- glasses. Psych- okay, so about that. So we've tried the stairs. She doesn't like them, but it which is annoying because she's I'm telling you, she loves regular, regular high-end dog
2: stairs she needs like the really really nice ones. That's so that's probably, probably gold, soap gold plated silk padded Italian marble
0: queen um you guys should see like the baths that I used to give her because I worked at a lush so I had access to a lot of bath bombs and like I would draw her like a nice bath and put some bubbles in it and then we'd throw a bath bomb in there and like then she'd be this purple is this, for a week this is the standard that you guys need to be treating your dogs with this is don't look at me like that get she had a stroller yeah she did okay and here's the thing here's Man, Frankie the thing. just has to walk everywhere She had a stroller. Okay, so I... I, Because I lived in Florida, okay? So, whatever. We do weird things there. And... So I wanted to get her a stroller because I just because then I could take her more places without people telling me no. And also I I wanna I wanna make a note that whenever I bring her, like if I were to try to walk her in somewhere, people would be like, Ew no. Not always ew no, but like they'd be like, no dogs. But if I bring her in a stroller, like she gets like she gets treated to a certain level and she loves it. She just sits there. But anyway, so my friends told me that if I got Peaches a stroller that they would not go in public with me and I was like you know what that's (laughs) rude but I thought about this stroller for so long it's like should I get my dog a stroller and then I was in a home goods with my aunt and she was looking at pet strollers and like I was like I'm not gonna waste like $100 on a pet stroller like I'm a college student no and then some woman walks up to my aunt and was like hey you ever take your cat for a walk and my aunt like looks at her funny and she's like no and she's like oh, I bought this stroller for my cat, and she hates it, so... Um do you want it? And she was like, no, but I know someone that might. So basically the universe gifted us a stroller. And so then my friends had to accept it. And we went in public and they loved it because, you know, it's great to have your Pomeranian in a stroller, but there've been multiple times like where I'll be in a crowd and I'll see another Pomeranian in a stroller and the, the human and I will like look at each other. And then we'll just like <laughs> squat up somewhere in the street and be like, what's up? I see you. <laughs> like, and then we'll just talk about Pomeranians and strollers. Oh, my but God. I think there's a video I just came Across last night on my phone, and there was one time I took my dogs Cherokee and Peach on a
1: walk with our cat Chicken Biscuit, and we put chicken biscuit, chicken biscuit in the
2: stroller. <laughs> oh, my uh, uh, cool! I think this should be part of your podcast every week, having like an eye window onto someone's pet.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, Graham on the Gram? Graham on the Gram.
1: Okay, so we have two Instagrams that we need to highlight Woo-hoo. today. One is serious, Serial. like actual photographer, and then the other one is click silliness click. because Erica absolutely wanted to highlight qualified captains. It's so funny because
0: we were talking about. We'll just call him Steve. Um, That captain and then the the deckhand that fell in the water, honestly. I
1: can't, I can't, I can't. I I don't understand. Anyways, anyways, so qualified captain, how I got introduced to this Instagram was Erica showed me this video of somebody trying to pull their boat trailer out of the water. They think they got, like, almost up, the, all the way up the ramp, and then somehow the trailer just became unhitched, <laughs> and then went back down the the ramp, <laughs>
0: and then chaos ensued, basically. And um, whenever I go on that account, it just reminds me of Florida. I'm like, am I home? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's, like, it's really nice to see responsible boaters in Washington, though. Like, honestly, because in Florida,
1: like, I don't know if they're in mm, Florida. I love Florida. Oh, man. Anyways, and then the second Instagram is another one of our coworkers. We, there's two offices for our our naturalizing job. Uh, one is an, on Orcas Island here in East Sound, and then the other is in Anacortes, uh, and we would like to highlight Brooke McKinley. She's got some amazing photos. I actually saw when we went to San Juan to interviewed deborah giles i saw she had an actual book in a shop which i was really impressed with but brooke mckinley on instagram she's got all kinds of stuff and if you ever want to buy buy any of her photos i think she's she's got she's got places you can you can yes. purchase them so
0: yes yeah um
1: this is now 41 minutes but
0: i do want to add one last thing What's before that? we go so for like evidence-based science facts oh, no. um <laughs> Ellie told me that she has three gray hairs, so I just asked. <laughs> right off. So you need three three to make it scientifically fact significant. <laughs> That's not true. Don't listen to that part. But she does have three gray hairs, which contributes to the to the my the listen, ma- to evidence listen. for grandma.
1: <laughs> you can't. Holy. I'm
2: so, I'm so angry that I told you that. Never again. I, can, I have a mental yeah. image of Erica just like trying to sneakily count the hairs. You're like giving me more,
1: honestly. <laughs> That's
2: here Erica to has now given Ellie seven gray hairs. Seven!
1: So, if you ever want to submit any questions, comments, concerns, for I have many, uh, you can reach us at reachandextinction.com. We also have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, although I don't check the Twitter. I
2: don't check the Twitter. And the only
0: person I think that follows us on it is Andrew. Shout out to Captain Andrew. Thanks for being our only follower on Twitter. But yeah, whatever you want us to talk about, we'll talk about things. I'm I'm not opposed to talking about like
2: diseases
1: and stuff but um, we just,
2: just really couldn't find that positive note to end on we could
1: note. have talked about like how sea stars are just so intrinsic to a healthy ecosystem and uh, they're beautiful I mean ochre sea I stars mean, they are beautiful, beautiful but, beautiful, but, but when then when we, we don't
2: really? have anything like oh yeah and they're doing great we're like and they're still they, kind of actually in, where I
1: used to live Gig Harbor Yeah, they haven't seen sunflower stars in like 12 years yeah. they
2: started seeing them again But oh, that's good the ones up here are just full Yay. of them. they're there we have not seen. a Flower star there's there's, there's, in there's like a little three bit years. of
1: positivity, okay? So. Yeah, like um, the
2: faintest of hopes. Yeah. So, if you guys, I guess it, we could link it back to like the whole Monterey Bay sea otter recovery and how that saved the kelp beds. But cool. Yeah. So
1: we'll talk about that next yeah. episode. Yes? yes. Yes. Swag. Agreed. Woo. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Please. Bye.
0: Bye.